Uh, today we got my very good friend uh, Alan Gorda uh, visiting us here on the Oxygen Advantage podcast. Uh, Alan is a former um, uh, pro football player, uh, sports director, and now working at One Nexus. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, balancing act between high performance and uh, burnout in the football world. So uh, welcome uh, to you, Alan. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me. Welcome, Alan. I think we're going to have plenty to talk about here. And uh, yeah, Daniel kicked off because I couldn't pronounce your surname. So just to let people know about that. Interesting topic, as we spoke about, when we think of footballers, we think of high achievers and people who have achieved the best of everything in life. But they're human like the rest of us. So maybe we can learn a little bit about that. Back to Daniel. Yeah, I mean, and this is also my first time... uh speaking English with Alan, so that's, uh, <clears throat> this is the first time we'll understand each other to 100% because he's Danish and I'm Swedish, so maybe that's the reason for our good friendship. We don't really understand what we're saying, but uh, no, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to this, and this is a topic that Alan and I have discussed. Uh, we've known each other for over 20 years and the past year and a half, almost on a weekly basis, uh, how important it is, and uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm very interesting to to hear your um, your background, Alan, leading and Daniel, up. Daniel, yeah. sorry to cut across you. Alan, would you just give us kind of an idea of what you do day to day? Oh yeah, now, I mean, my background is, uh, I was 14 years uh, as a professional uh, footballer. Um, and uh, alongside that, I always like uh, studied. So I also went to university and uh, have a master degree in a communications and business administration from the Copenhagen Business School. Um, uh, but uh, I mean, during the 14 years, I, I played in, uh, in, in, in Denmark and in, in Norway, but also in uh, a top five league in Serie A, a in, in Italy, it, in a small club called Udinese. And uh, so I, I experienced different uh, environments, different uh, coaches, different cultures. Uh, and I can also see that uh, that's why one of the things with breathing is that I can see that there has like been an incre incremental development of, of how you, you practice uh, as a footballer. Um, but I think we can get back to that. And, and then after my football career, uh, I, I left uh, the football uh, world uh, for a while. I went into the, the corporate uh, world, working with the MedTech, with a, 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 one of the top five uh, Danish uh, uh, companies um, called Koloplast. And, and then they called me up again. Uh, and you know, when football is calling you, 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 <laughs> you respond and you get back because uh, that's uh, really a, a passion. Mm. I went back to Aalborg, which is a top five club in, in Denmark. And uh, I was uh, assigned um, as, as a sporting director. And then I worked as a sporting director in Aalborg for six and a half years. Um, we won the championship, we went to Europe and we had bad yeah. seasons as well. <laughs> and, and then uh, at the end of, November 19, I was uh, luckily enough sacked uh, because as many of my other colleagues, I really experienced how difficult it is to manage your energy at, a, at, at that um, at a leadership exactly. position in, 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 a, in a football organization. Um, and so, so I really learned that I needed something more. Um, and I learned at, at, in the end of, of my time as a sporting director, I ended up feeling that uh, my, well, my physical training, I skipped that because I was really a bit tired all the time. Um, um, I was not curious anymore. Uh, so as I stopped uh, listening to podcasts with you guys or uh, or reading things mm -hmm. uh, and and my presence you know when I was sitting at home with my 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 two kids and my wife uh, it was like I never had time to be there and in a meeting it was like after 10 minutes uh, I I was going forward because there, I was so busy that I had too many things to to think uh, mm -hmm. think about. So, mm -hmm. so this this was really my my problem. And um, honestly, I thought that a month would be 
good and then I would be ready to go again. But that was not the case. It's amazing. And Daniel, I think this is, this is a topic that's present throughout the corporate environment. Yeah. I wonder, Alan, how much of it is due to what, what factors do you think it was just the workload or do you think also overstimulation of so much information coming at us, so mm. much expectation and a life that's ever moving more fast, mm. faster yeah. now than it was 20 years ago? Mm. Uh, that's 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 a good question and actually th this is one of my key motives for doing what i'm doing today i created uh, one nexus which is a company working with sports organizations and especially i mean we are dedicated to successful leaders in sports so we want to help and support the leaders to be more sustainable uh, and 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 when i'm talking about sustainable i mean i mean they, I mean, one of the big issues in sport, uh, and also in a, I mean, Scandinavia is a is a smaller place, and uh, professional sport is quite immature. I mean, the last twenty five, maybe thirty years, it has been like a professional business, so it's still growing and it's still you know becoming mm. more and more like a business. But one of the key issues still is that uh, the football clubs, for instance, are big brands, uh, but small organizations. So, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I made my master thesis uh, in 12 and, uh, and I analyzed that, for instance, in Denmark, the top five companies, which have, I mean, thousands, tens of thousands uh, employees, uh, they, they got less media attraction than a small club with uh, 50 people as an employee. So <laughs> your stakeholder management is um, a main obstacle. Um, so, so I think this is one of the areas. And a second area is that you also have your, I mean, as a sporting director or a CEO, you are referring or uh, reporting to the, the board, but the board members are not really educated to this context. They're educated in a more like in traditional business context, which, which makes it difficult to, to act as a leader in sport because you don't have that support and you need someone to trust and talk to and you don't have that. Yeah, yes. and, and we, we, we talked, Alan, about <clears throat> you as a player and a, and a sport director in the football world, they're great with financial incentives. You even wrote an article about additional motivation. So people think that to motivate you more will give you financial incentives. And that for some people, that all that just adds stress because mm -hmm. and they think that if I if I just give you motivation with more financial incentives, that will do better. But as a player and a sports director, uh, I guess that it's we've come further than 20 years ago. But you give give them very few tools to handle. Uh, your internal environment with how to handle sleep, uh, stress situations and, mm -hmm. and training. And, and like we're talking about breathing right now, everything mm -hmm. related to, you know, your, your states, maintaining good states, but you get, you, you have everything else around you, but not, not that. So, so uh, did you get any tools along the way as a player or a sports director in form of like taking care of your mental health? Uh, to handle your 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 you as a player or as a sports director. Yeah, I mean, in, I mean, I, I I can see that there has really been an uh, incre incremental development in in that sense. So so when I started out be becoming a professional footballer, that was in the late nineties. Um, I mean, the the main thing was to focus on practice. I mean, your your yeah. your physical and your technical skills. So so. To become a better footballer on the pitch, and and just by be, becoming a professional, you had more time, uh, you training more, and that was a, a a big increase also in in quality of the game, I, I would say. And then I saw that I mean, and then second phase would be, um, well, well, you're focusing also on the mental side, um, yeah. not not only on 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 what's going on on uh, on the pitch, but but still it was more like, um, it's not a detailed approach like, like I can see today. Now we have uh, the digital uh, 
possibilities, a GPS system, we have uh, sleep uh, indicators and so on, so on. So I can see that also in, a, in Scandinavia where we are, we're not the Premier League, we are not uh, La Liga, but still we are quite uh, professional that we are really improving in, the, in that sense. And, and I think that, I mean, that we're sitting here and we're having the, the discussion we have is also a, a, yeah. a, a sign that, that things are changing. And mm. I would have loved to, I mean, in, in the end of night, uh, at the end of my period as a sporting director, I realized that I had to do something. So actually, uh, and by, ins, uh, by coincidence, I, I read uh, Robin Sharma's 5am club, um, yeah. which is a concept or a book. Uh, and I started, to wake up early in the morning at 5 a.m. to do some physical exercise for 20 minutes and 20 minutes of meditation and, and gratitude diary. And the last 20 minutes I, I read or, or listened to a podcast. It was really tough. And then I only, I only did it like, like 20, 25 days in a row. And then uh, I got sacked and I had more time and I didn't have to. <laughs> Uh, but but uh, I, I I just I just see that people are really open-minded and also this is also a generation thing. Uh, the, the the players today who are coming, who are, who have been educated in the academies, and that's the thing in football now. The academies are really getting strong, and it's it's becoming a really uh, a good education, and and that also created, creates open-minded players in the sense that they actually want to work 24-7 uh, uh, for, I mean, for improving their performances. But that's yeah. really where it's at, Alan. You know, we hear of the stories of Georgie Best, who he was a tremendous footballer, yeah. and they would play a game and he would, he would be outstanding and then straight to the bar and drink a load of, load of beer. So... Yeah. You know, it kind of makes sense that an athlete is looking at everything 24-7 because yeah, even yeah. to get those incremental gains, mm-hmm. it's, it's important. Yeah, but I think that some of the things we really have to think about is, I mean, we, we all always have like, uh, we prepare uh, before the match and then there's a, during the match and then there's after the match. But then there is also this restitution phase where you don't think, where you don't prepare. You, you're not, I mean, that's, I think that's getting more and more important because people are too too focused on their performance 24-7. And so sometimes they have to watch a movie or uh, go out on a restaurant or maybe also, you know, drinking a beer instead mm-hmm. of, you know, having their home exercises. So so I think, uh, I think this is, it has almost tipped also sometimes for, for some of the players. What you're yeah. saying is a balance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sorry, Daniel, just uh, what data do you track in sleep? Do you track heart rate variability or respiratory rate or? No, I, I would, I mean, like in a club where I worked, we we started like having their, well, every morning they they, they 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 use their app. I don't remember which app, mm-hmm. whether it is, okay, when did I uh, go to bed, to bed and when, how, how do I or feel? Deep. So it's more like subjective yeah. uh, yes. measurement. It's interesting because I imagine you used the aura ring yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I bought it and it was your recommendation, and now I cannot take it off. (laughs) (laughs) And I imagine 20 years ago, nobody was paying attention to sleep. Sleep became hot about 10 years ago, not even 10 years ago. I mean, you're absolutely right. And, um, and, and, And we, as I think, in the football world, it's still, you know, it's increasing the focus, but we're not there yet. But it's coming back to that word. And when we think of focus and concentration and attention span, you cannot have it without deep sleep. And for deep sleep, breathing needs to be through the nose and not to have sleep disorder breathing. And I think that's one of the foundations of of performance, especially mental performance. And even when myself and Daniel were talking to Anna West, Mm. players who are tired are more prone to injury. Mm. You know, it just makes sense every way. Mm. No, but you're absolutely right. And I can see now the medical focus has become, I mean, in, 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 in the beginning, uh, not many years ago, um, the medical side were more like a, a cost uh, thing. So for a club, it was like, oh, uh, you have to, 
spend so much money on 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 the medical side on physios and uh, doctors and uh, performance coaches and so on and so on. and so, so they didn't did not pay enough enough attention they they would rather and, you know, pay an expensive player to to come and play in the size. So I think the focus has shifted more, mm. a bit more, because of um, a better education also at the organizational level. Mm. Yeah, <clears throat> we we've spoken a lot about uh, you know states and skills, meaning that if you uh, if you're a professional football player or sports director in the corporate world, you need uh, the skills to handle the job, of course, mm. but. Once you have that to a certain degree, you need to improve states, what I call like the focus, the focus, mm-hmm. like to sleep properly, like breathing or meditation, whatever works for you, but mm-hmm. to actually use those skills to 100% and not to 80%. And I think that is where people are getting more and more focused and actually be very focused for training sessions, be focused for match sessions and have the tools actually to get focused. Before it was only train hard, the right tactics, but now you realize that it's also a mental aspect. And I think if you look at the top guys in any sport, they're very mentally strong, most of them, very. And that Mm -hmm. that is a little bit what separates them. So we've spoken a lot about that, uh, Alan, myself, that you need kind of, you need both, because if you don't have the skills, obviously you're not going to get anywhere. But but um, so that's an interesting <laughs> that's an interesting area. The question but, here, Daniel, is though, can you be trained to be mentally strong, or is it just something that's innate? No. And if a guy has a mind who's all over the which is all over the place, and you th- we think now of social media and distractions of emails and text messaging, mm. people are addicted to their phone, mm. and they are practicing distraction all day long. And yet, when they want to do a football game, they're expected to be focused. Mm. You know, personally. Training the brain is something that we can all do. This is not just for the elite performers. This is something for everybody. And I don't think it's not necessarily down to psychology and doing cognitive behavioral therapy, but I do feel that sleep, as we spoke about, functional breathing patterns to increase blood flow to the brain, to calm the central nervous system, focused attention on mind, body, and breath, and bringing it into everyday life and training the brain to be concentrated and that mm. skill then can be imparted. And I think we still have some way to go here, um, both Daniel and Alan. Mm. No, but you're yeah, absolutely, absolutely right. Um, but I can see that they, I mean, of course it's, it's always a matter of, I mean, uh, in the in professional sports, you, uh, you, you wanna win next week. And <laughs> So, so I mean, the good thing about breathing and sleep is that I mean, it's outside your daily practice. So, so I mean, your 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 football practice or or whatever your sports you you do. So it's 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 an add-on, uh, and it's not because I think the coaches they say, okay, now we have, we can practice two hours training a day as a footballer. So please don't you know step into that session because that's my uh, my possibility to winning the next game. But uh, I wouldn't agree with the coach. No, no, this. <laughs> that's good. So, so how would you do it, uh, Pat? Well, I think the warm up is very important. There's a lot of players who have pre-match anxiety. Why not use the warm up not just for preparing the muscles but also preparing the mind mm. and achieving that flow state. So during the initial part of the warm-up, light, slow, and deep breathing, because this does calm the mind. Mm. And then doing two easy breath holds and then five strong breath holds, whereby we stress the player. So we Mm. stress them to increase blood flow to the brain, to open up the nose, and then they go out onto the field. Mm. But also during some practice, you know, Mm. why not stress and add an extra load onto the player? Get Mm. them to do some of their sprints with their mouth closed, breathing in and out through the nose. Why not getting them doing sprinting with breath holding? Mm. Because this really stimulates anaerobic glycolysis. Mm. And mm. also recovery, Alan. You know, if we want to bring the heart rate down very, very quickly, it's been known since 1921. <laughs> when a researcher called Lowy, he isolated the, the heart of a frog and he stimulated the vagus nerve and he caused the heart rate to slow down. But of course, when we slow breed, especially the exhalation, we stimulate the vagus nerve and the heart rate slows down. So for a player, half time, going back to the field to upregulate, after the match to downregulate, 
and before sleep to downregulate. <clears throat> so I think there's little tools that we can bring in. Yeah, but yeah. I, you know what your point is? And I suppose, Daniel's your point as well. We don't want to disrupt anything, but that's mm. the thing about the breath. All we need to do is, instead of having your mouth open here, make a concerted effort, keep the lips together mm. and do, do a breath hold here. And during match practice sessions, do whatever you need to do. Mm. Don't focus on nasal breathing during the match practice session, but in the drills and warm up and recovery, Mm. Why not tap into the states that Daniel spoke about? Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah. I, I think you are. I mean, there is a lot of um, potential also in the in the warm up sessions because that has really changed a lot the last uh, the last years. That I mean, all professional sites are now using like uh, are, are an activation model where they where they they just you know warm out warm up with the physical coaches who are really open-minded and they're not, I mean, they're not traditional conservative football coaches. So, so they are really well-educated and open-minded to, to new research. Will you describe the warm-up? Um, well, well, it, in, in most clubs, it would be like in, in the gym uh, where they have like a focus on their, 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 their individual focus on, it could be the core. It could be like the the, the physical side, uh, but they have to activate the, the their muscles. But I, I, there's no reason that there could not be a like activation of of, of the mind, of the mental mm. side, of the breathing. That that it, it that would be natural. Mm. Uh, so I think that the, the 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 only thing which is really important that it, it it's it's doable. It's operational. Mm-hmm. That this is concrete, um, uh, and then, then I would say that there's a lot of potential for that because that would not interrupt the head coach's, you know, uh, tactical work or technical work, uh, mm-hmm. and also during the session. I mean, if it, if it's not taking all his time, he, he I think, he, he, I mean, he, he would welcome it if he's if he's open-minded. Mm-hmm. But of yeah. course, I mean, it's always. Um, I mean, it's always our, uh, a big discussion, a dilemma, and on short term versus uh, long term. Uh, uh, and 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 um, you, I mean, there's thing. For instance, in in Denmark, the head coaches are in the Superliga, which is called. It's not the Super League, uh, <laughs> but it's the Superliga, and the head coaches are in their positions like 18 months, and then they are gone. And I think in the in the Premier League, it's it's, it's even less. So they, I mean, they they have to think about the next uh, the game, winning the next game on short term, and that might lead to, I mean, not the the development of of the long term as well. There, there, yeah, I believe there's a conflict of interest mm. that I was going to take bring that up. That mm. you have to you 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 as a top coach in almost in any league, but the higher up you go, you cannot afford to start the f- first five games with losing. You, you can't afford to think about next year. It's always the next match or this season or very, very short term. So how do you, how do you align these things that, that you have to work on for a while before mm-hmm. they take effect and new things with the short term winning mentality, just mm-hmm. win? That, that is, I, I, do you have any thoughts on that, Alan? Because I think it's very, very difficult. Oh, but I would say, I mean, this would rather be a question for Patrick because I, it is not like now we, we like the way we are, are talking about this theme, it's like a conflict of interest, but I'm not sure it, it should be because I can also see that, that there should be a possibility of on, on working on both things. So, um, so yeah, I mean, um, I have two concrete examples. Uh, Ronaldo, uh, who always does this posture before penalty or a free mm-hmm. kick mm-hmm. with a positive body posture and a deep inhalation and, and, and like a blowout it's it you can see that it's practice and obviously you don't he doesn't practice on matches he practices on practice so he's used to that mm-hmm. so i don't know if anybody thinks about that but also interesting i sent it to patrick the other day a video about davor super in mm-hmm. in a penalty before a penalty against romania he's, he waited mm-hmm. checked his pulse and then hit the penalty. That was probably mm-hmm. that was probably just in, uh, nothing trained, but he was conscious enough mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. to hit the penalty mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. he was calmed down a little bit. He didn't do anything what I could see breathing. But there mm-hmm. you have two techniques during 
matches mm -hmm. that you probably to, to make them work very well, you have to practice. And I think Ronaldo does that. There are probably other ones, but it's almost like they're hitting in plain sight. People don't realize I, that. I think a lot of players have uh, like a technique for that, uh, but they don't know that they have a technique for it. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's, I think it's both like, you can have a breathing ritual, but the ritual in itself calms you down. Like that four or five seconds, because you don't have 30 seconds or 60 no, 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 seconds. No, no. You have a few seconds. And if you do that ritual, you know, okay, I'm always going to do like a, a deep uh, inhalation and a slow exhalation if you have that time. Uh, you, you can practice on that. But I think we'll see more. And I know in all sports you have rituals, but not necessarily breathing rituals. So I, I, you're probably right, Alan. I think that there is really not a conflict of interest, but you have to get a buy-in from the coach. You have mm -hmm. to see that, that it works. And some of these things may not necessarily work after one day. Mm -hmm. It takes, just like training skills, it takes a while. Mm -hmm. It's like if you, how, do you, how would you take a, an eight-year-old to become a very good football player? That's, you, can't, you can't do it over one night. But, mm -hmm. So I think this, uh, you have to have some sort of stamina to see that it works. And that is the, so I think it's a, it will pivot more and more until you realize just like physical training, like 30 years ago, nobody mm. did it offside, mm -hmm. of but now they're doing it. Daniel, I can we show like this? That. Sorry, Daniel, can we show this video of Davor? I think this is fascinating mm. because this is a guy who's putting his hands up to the carotid artery and he's monitoring his pulse. Now he has his mouth open but this is stimulating the vagus nerve. If he is slowing down the exhalation, he is calming and composing himself right next. So just watch that. That's exactly the carotid artery. Now, when we slow down the exhalation, which he could be doing through the mouth because we don't know, mm. he's causing a slowing of the, of the pulse and he's increasing his state of readiness. But this is not something for long term. This is something that could be learned in five minutes mm. and brought into practice during training. Mm. So let's mm. watch him. Shuka prepares to take this penalty. Can Lanich keep it out? He can't. Fisher <laughs> are in front after. So a penalty shootout during a World Cup game, a lot of pressure. Now, this ties in with something that I was speaking with elite police recently from a particular country and I will be going over in June to work with their elite police force to bring breathing together while shooting. Now mm. you can imagine a high stressful situation going into an operation and to be able to compose that state of readiness but mm. these are the tools that can be used whether it's in the corporate environment that myself and you know we're talking about whether it's the sporting world I don't think it's long-term, Daniel. I think this is, these are, if a player understands what we can do to alter states, and even to give you an example of repeated sprintability, and I'm going to pull up this paper here. This is one that we speak about because it's something that we've been doing for 20 years. And this is looking at repeated sprintability, which is a performance indicator in team sports. 21 highly trained rugby players and divides them into two groups. One group is doing 40 meter sprints on the breath hold, and the other group is doing 40 meter sprinting with normal breathing. After four weeks of practice, and it was only about 15 minutes twice a week practice, one set twice a week, which would take probably about 15 minutes or so, maybe 20 minutes, repeated sprintability increased and these are highly trained professional rugby union players during peak season. So these aren't amateurs. From nine reps before exhaustion, and in, 40, sorry, in four weeks, they had 14.9 reps before exhaustion. And in the group who were already doing anaerobic training, they had 9.8 reps at the start of the trial and 10.4 reps. So they increased by 0.6 of a rep over four weeks of training. And this group here is increasing by almost five reps. Mm. Now to have that increase in four weeks from practicing 20 minutes twice a week or three times a week. Mm. And those are the gains. So you know what? I just think that the problem with breathing is because most people perceive that it's, it's reserved for, for people who are, you know, left of field, 
And I often use the phrase hippies are the guys going around with the, the brown leather sandals that are open. You can see the toes. But we want breathing for everyday people. Yeah. And especially at that level, why not tap into states? But I think most people don't realize the potential. I think that's what it is. Alan, doesn't that go back to your point where you said uh, this, this, if somebody, if you sent this to 300 coaches, shouldn't they be doing running sprint ability? But then you get this, okay, there's a slight, obviously, but you, anytime you do sprints, an, a risk of injury. So then you won't add this to normal training load because then you're all a training horse. So you have to skip something else. And what do you skip? So you get into this world of, okay, how do you fit this into the training schedule? How, how would, what do you think is the best way of doing this as far as coming to coach? Because there is some proof here that it, that it works for highly training. But I think the, the biggest issue uh, about this theme, about, I mean, breathing especially, uh, is that there's too much talk about it and too little, you know, concrete. <laughs> so, yep. so, I mean, I mean, I mean, you you really have to be concrete in you know you know it, 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 some of the exercises I know are quite simple mm -hmm. but still show them uh, uh, and of course you know you have the the research is is a good thing so you can but but make it simple I mean because they are busy and they are occupied with hundreds of thousands of other things so yeah. so I think I mean. Instead of talking too much about it, be concrete. Yeah. Get people I, I, to feel it. Yeah. I think a great one is this running sprint ability. It's very, it's very tough. But to do it on exhalation and bring in the pulse oximeter, meaning mm. that you basically go from sea level to five to 6,000 meters, and you see your blood oxygen drop with a delay, just like that, from 95 to 99%. It drops down to 80 or maybe even 70 if you do real hard with a slight delay and then it pops up and every time you do that you get what's called a spleen contraction uh, and roughly five times is the optimal amount to do it and then you get a release for about 10 minutes it's not it's not for sure exactly it's 10 minutes or longer but also get the equal production natural doping for three or four days later so you get like a double effect and the then you also get the visual effect of the actual pulse oximeter showing that you're actually, you can see it, you feel it, and then what it feels like afterwards. I think that is one way of doing it. And it's mm. pretty, fairly concrete, fairly isolated. You can do this 40 meter sprints uh, in about 10 to 15 minutes, mm. uh, but it's very, very taxing. So maybe you don't start off the first day with that. Maybe you walk instead, but the point is that you can, you can do it fairly quick in a progression with highly skilled players. Mm. Plus, Daniel, I think there's another aspect. I remember speaking with um, a strength and condition coach from, I don't know, was he Premier League, but he was a pretty high level in the UK. I was in London at the time. And I spoke about breathing and condition of players. And he said that they often see a couple of players who have a hard time during training. And these players are overly breathless and they're gassing out too soon. And he puts it down, or he was putting it down to poor condition. But you can imagine that these players are all having the same training regime. Mm. And how is it that one or two players are falling down? Mm. It's because their everyday breathing could be playing a significant role here. Mm. And what I mean by that is that they have faster and upper chest breathing and a poor breathing pattern during rest. And these players, for example, when we look at what contributes to poor everyday breathing, anybody with any predisposition towards asthma, or childhood asthma, anybody with any predisposition towards anxiety, or if they've had trauma or high stress, or even perfectionist tendencies. People with perfectionist tendencies often hyperventilate. And I can only imagine the, uh, the number of high level athletes and soccer players who have perfectionist tendencies, because you wouldn't get to that level bit without being there. But if you place high demands on yourself physically and psychologically, that can impact your breathing because your breathing is reacting as if a stressful event is taking place. So I think even Alan, an observation and working with players who would need it most, especially, you know, I don't know what the percent of the population that has anxiety, but there must be a certain amount of anxiety in football. 
of course there is you, you see it on an everyday like i've heard stories of guys they would be in the bathroom before they'd go out and they would be puking the ring up like i couldn't imagine being so highly stressed before a meeting having to puke my ring up and then to go out and do well i don't think i would be doing well you know no no but you're absolutely right i think players are some sometimes anxiety and they they're afraid of you know not winning and afraid of losing afraid of performing poorly mm. and so i mean that i think that's that's quite normal in 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 top sports people think they are happy but i think the best players in in the world are not are not happy people yeah. they are they are they are eager to perform better and they, that 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 doesn't mean that you're happy it means more maybe that you you're not you're not you're not happy with the state of uh, of today <laughs> i mean it, it's yes. it's pretty it's pretty similar pattern i would think <clears throat> for most matches like if you play a big match big final and it almost doesn't matter what level you're at if it's big for you mm. you're in, you're anxious before so you can yeah. you can have tools like a warm-up without even thinking about breathing may help you a little bit because it's a ritual you get you, you kind of get used to it but you can downregulate. But you don't want to downregulate too much. So before a match, you want to maybe do these breath holes to upregulate. Mm. But then you want to have tools during the match as well, like Davor Shukro or Ronaldo, whoever, to kind of handle these stressful situations. And I know that England had a big problem for many years with penalty shootouts in mm. World Cup. Mm. And they eventually, I think they brought in somebody. But that's, that's where it gets to your mind because everybody mm. knows in practice, it's very easy to, to put a penalty in. But when it comes to World Cup, when the pressure is on, it becomes, yeah. I guess the goal becomes this small. Yeah, right. So then it becomes a mental game. And you know these things will happen. You just don't know necessarily what match. But if it's a big, big World Cup final Champions League, you know it's, the mm. pressure is going to be elevated. Mm. So to have tools for that, I think, is necessary. Because I think everybody suffers from pre-match anxiety and stress during the match. It's just a different level, probably. Uh, I mean, you're, you're right, but I, I think it's also interesting now, I mean, if you listen to our talk now that we, I mean, uh, we started out also talking about leaders in sports, but, but the, I mean, then we always end up talking about players. Hmm. And I think, I think a, a good way, a good way in to, uh, you know, to, to getting a buy-in is also to start with some of the leaders in the club. Uh, yes. They really yes. need it themselves and they know they need it i mean my colleagues uh, our ex-colleagues or the uh, i had i mean they are always always very very busy and but when you really look into their eyes it's like it's like a a, a boxer who's 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 uh who's, who's got knocked out i mean there's light <laughs> in the house but there's nobody home <laughs> i mean <laughs> so so it's so i mean it's it's i mean people are really struggling and and in the, the world of uh, of foot, uh, football or sport it's in general you're not taking care of the leaders because all focus is on the players yeah well, how would you do it different today alan with all the things you're doing now and that we've been discussing for the past year and a half if you move the needle back with your knowledge today mm -hmm. five years what would you do differently for your organization and for yourself uh, so that's a difficult question, but of course, one of the things is that I mean to create the routines in, in every day where I make sure that I, for instance, do my 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 practice, my physical training. Uh, it could also be breathing exercises, could be, uh, but also I mean having uh, some sparing partners or advising mentoring people around you who who actually knows the context because uh it, it, it that's one of the biggest issue the issues and and then be maybe start focusing more on i mean on two or three things in the job than than everything and but the the problem is that i mean you have a an ambitious strategy in all the clubs, but you have uh, an organization which is far too small. Yeah, so it's not sustainable. <clears throat> not sustainable. No, so, but, yeah. but then it comes down to what we talked about a little bit earlier, that you're, you're, you're constantly on, like you, you, you don't have a nine to five job, you have a maybe a 
even nights. So you, 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 you're always distracted. And that works for a short time, but then it becomes maybe a chronic stress, always mm -hmm. reactive, always, always need to respond to emails, phone calls, text messages, always on. So is that, is that a way to kind of, ironically, to drop the workload to produce more? Yeah, but I think that's the thing. I mean, just, just a simple thing as, I mean, going on vacation regularly. Yep. <laughs> I mean, that, 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 that's a main thing uh, in this business because the business really wants to be relevant uh, 12 years, uh, 12 months a year, uh, but it's the same people who are working on, uh, on in, in all that period. So, uh, so I think that there needs to be a transformation um, in, in the mindset, but also especially in the leadership positions. Uh, and now I'm really focusing on, on the board members that, the, the leaders or the owners of the clubs, they they have to take care that if they want a sustainable business, they also want to have a different way of leading their, their clubs. But it's yeah. some of this, Alan, is coming down to the individual. You know, like I literally, I'm a very small business. I could literally spend all day just answering emails. Yeah. And most of them are total nonsense. Mm. You know, between one and 300 emails a day. Yeah. And I think sometimes we have to, we have to say no. Mm. And, you know, if we constantly say yes to everybody else, we're saying no to ourselves. We have to cut out distractions. Yeah. And like, I can only how imagine. Do how do you do it then? Well, I ignore them. <laughs> <laughs> I, what I do is I chunk things. I got up early. I got up early now this morning, 6am. I started, I'm writing on a book between six and a half, eight no distractions, only focus on that one thing, narrowing my attention to the book, ignoring yeah. emails, anything that comes in, just ignore them. And it's not, we, we have to look at what are the extractions externally. Yeah. Employees distracting each other, sending constant text messaging, putting the phone, and it's the employees who were often talking the most and they're so stuck in their own heads that they're distracting everybody else. Mm. But then internal distractions, a wandering mm. mind. Mm. And you said that sports people often are not happy. Mm. People with a wandering mind are not happy because they don't have control of their own thoughts mm. and they accept as reality whatever thoughts is being thrown at them. Mm. And again, taking a holiday and a mini break would be great, but why not take a holiday from the mind? Mm. And I'm not talking about mindfulness but I'm talking about quietening the mind and eliminating. Mm. It's really important that we know what to focus upon because there is so much that is commanding our attention. So ask anybody, am I good at answering on Instagram? No. Facebook? No. LinkedIn? No. Emails? Half okay. And then I can do whatever I want to focus on. We mm. have to cut out the crap. Yeah. But that goes back to you, Alan, with, with, as a leader of an organization that it has to maybe be top down a little bit because it has to be, if the leader has to put that into the organization that it's okay, mm -hmm. that it's almost like, you know, before, before a certain time or during certain times mm -hmm. you chunk the work because if people are always answering emails every two or three minutes or 20 mm -hmm. minutes, then you become reactive, mm -hmm. distracted. You're not focused on so that deep, deep focus and it has to come from top management then to kind of say this is okay we, we, we're going to have a work day like this but that's the problem and people are calling the whole time so but you know it's not sustainable so how it's it's kind of like you may say this is, will not work but this will not work either so it's, you may have to find some sort of compromise yeah. but i think i think the sports business uh, i think it's, it's it's really i mean what you're selling in like in football is attention and interest so, so you want to be relevant all the time so you want to uh, be on i mean not as a leader but as an organization you want to be on facebook you want to be in the media you want to be at television you, i mean uh, so so that's, that's i mean you cannot choose not to respond to the sponsors and the no, fans but you get somebody else to do it yeah, that's the <laughs> you thing you know like you have to just be selective you know and that's the thing, and, and that's what I started saying, that, that we haven't come far enough in organizing the professional sports clubs because the organizations are far too small. 
Mm, I think you're... And, and, I mean, in the Premier League, I know it's different because they have really grown into uh, big empires. Mm. But most other countries, I, I would imagine in Ireland, it's it's worse it's than... It's the same. It's, yeah, it's worse. It is. Okay. You know, we, we've got very... I don't follow soccer or football here in Ireland, but um, yeah, the League of Ireland is not very strong. No, no. Not strong. No, but, but it's improving, but you also, I mean, in, in, instead of spending your last money on a new player, uh, develop the, the, the organization. And um, that education is important also in mm. getting a buy-in from breathing and different, um, different exercises. Well, yeah. I think mental focus and cutting out distractions of the mind is absolutely important. Mm. And I can only imagine that the youngsters coming up through the ranks now are absolutely distracted. Yeah, I see it with 16 and 17 year olds when we have them, when we had clinics going on back pre-COVID, they would be reaching into their phone to check their, pop their phones constantly. Like who's in control of what here? You know, is the youngster in control of their phone or is their phone in control of them? And then when we think of even going a little bit behind that, the sinister application of big tech corporations bringing in behavioral psychologists, and I know I'm deviating a bit off track, primarily designed to capture as much attention of the individual as possible. Mm -hmm. And you could scroll through these feeds for an hour. And what do you get from it? Nothing. Nothing. Overstimulation with over-information. Garbage in, garbage out. We have to be selective and we have to, you know, be, be cognizant of what we are letting into the minds. And this is coming back to taking a break from thoughts and giving ourselves some attention as opposed to surrendering all of our attention outwards. And it comes down to this. The measure of a leader is not how well the person is doing when things are going fine. Anybody, you know, if you have a football team and the team is doing really, really well during a game, the leader doesn't have a whole lot to do because the team is doing it. But the measure of the leader is the guy who can step up to the mark when the team is on its last legs and one leader, you've got one person there who can, who can raise the spirits and get the team on board, especially towards the latter end of the game. That is mental strength. That is focus, concentration, and attention span. We need to train the brain. And the reason that we're doing it is because, of course, breath and training of the mind go hand in hand. Mm. You know, it's, it really is from a number of different perspectives. And sleep, what we spoke about at the very, very beginning, comes in as well. Like the human mind is very, very interesting. We've been trained how to think, but we have not been trained how to stop thinking. We don't have control. We should have control. Mm-hmm. Alan, how do you, how do you uh, like you say, the, the football world is ahead of the corporate world in some aspects. So, but when it comes to organizations, they're smaller. And so they're more exposed maybe to chronic stress, but it's in the corporate world, it's now okay. Like you talk about stress a lot, the last five to 10 years. It's like, but you don't hear anything really enough that I know of mm-hmm. to a large scale in the football world, but it, it exists obviously. So what is your experience from that? It's, it is, people always talking after the fact. It's not during, like when they're as a player or a sports director, but it comes years later. Is it because it's, it's too much of a macho world that you don't talk about those things or? Um, about, about which things? Like stress, like yeah, if you're burned yeah. out, stress, like men, mental problems, like anything related like if you if you break your leg or ACL it's it's okay but to have a mental issue in the sports world it's not okay but Daniel do the players know they are stressed if you're in the middle of stress do you do you know if you're stressed that's a good question (laughs) but I think the good teams today they have like a a sports psychologist uh, on, on on, on site and so so the players they have the possibility of you know focusing also on on this aspect and i think behind closed doors it's it, i mean it's, it's easier to talk about the personal problems um or the <coughs> challenges but but i think in a dressing room it's still um a macho culture um yeah. where i mean in, in football 11 players are on the pitch and you're uh, 
26 up to 30 people in the squad. So you know, there's a rig. I mean, you really have to do your best to, yeah. to be in the in, in the squad, and you have to kick some 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 of your colleagues to get out of the squad. Yeah. Uh, so so I think this this aspect uh, is, is is different. Um, but I don't know. I mean, one of the good things about professional sports is that you really practice. And you know, when I was in the corporate world. Yeah. I mean, we, we always delivered, but we always we never practiced. I mean, yeah. we we as a salesman or, or communica communications consultants. I mean, we we spent when two percent of our time on on on, on bec when you're becoming better in football. It's like ninety five uh, percent of your time you spend on getting better. Um, that, you're correct. That is very. That is what I mean by the football world and military world is way ahead of the corporate yeah. world because they train to perform and it's right. the other way around mm -hmm. and that's not sustainable either you don't have the tools really to perform and that's, that's a great point. i think that's a stressor mm. it's amazing so, that's a great point actually yeah yeah but, uh, now we we can i mean and and i'd like to have alan on and, and many times to talk about different things now is now is one of these things where we kind of I was one of the few people that's been in the corporate world, come back and kind of and been a player. So you can you can see the whole spectrum, the spectrum and the evolution of, of football to where it is today. Mm -hmm. So it's it's uh, very interesting to to hear uh, your views, Alan. Cool, cool being here. I would like to have more concrete advice from from you guys. <laughs> you 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 will get it offline. <laughs> But, I don't uh, talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I uh, thank you so much for today, uh, Alan. I, I don't know, Patrick, if you have uh, uh, more questions. Or Alan, if you have any questions for us now. Last last chance. Oh, it's all right. Um, I mean, the concrete things is really good. So I, I really like the, the expression, you know, taking a holiday of your mind. <laughs> so, mm. something, so I, ne something necessary, huh? Yeah, yeah. So I would like to learn more about that. Of course. Yep. Great, Alan, it was an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much. Likewise.